Come on. Love the families in our church. Love uh, what God is doing in our church. Uh, everybody doing all right this morning, though? Man, you maniacs are filling up the place again, man. We got to do something about that, right? So, guys, my name is Casey. We got a lot of uh, first-time guests today. Good to see everybody. Uh, if I haven't met you, I definitely want to. My name is Casey, one of the pastors here at New City Church. Welcome uh, to this uh, crazy, uh, wonderful church that God has put together. Um, hey, if you are um, brand new with us and today's your first time, if you will fill out a Connect card, and if you will meet Mitch and Paula Cunningham at the orange table at the front of the uh, church in the lobby there, uh, we've got a gift for you. If you will, uh, if this is your first time, do have a first time gift if you turn your uh, Connect card in. But if you are interested in any other things, like if you have some prayer requests, if you have an interest in serving in different areas, if you have an interest in doing different things, guys, we are, uh, at, at the very least, the first thing we're going to have to do is uh, start a third service, meaning that we're going to need some help with that third service. So if you're interested in doing any of the things that are listed on the Connect card, please put that down. Uh, first service was full. Second service was more full, which is unusual today, but we got some special guests and that kind of thing, which is good. Uh, but love to see uh, everybody coming into the house and uh, praising God. Thank you, Pete and the team, for uh, leading us in worship. Man, it's just been a, it's a wonderful, wonderful, man, beautiful stuff this morning. Amen? Amen. Well, guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, we are going through this series called We Greater Than Me, uh, which is seeing ourselves... Uh, in, in generous uh, attitude, generous uh, demeanor, thoughts, and heart toward the rest of the body of believers. It's, uh, it's an idea and a, a thought process that, that throughout Old Testament and New Testament, the whole, all the scriptures point to us being part of a unified body of believers. Amen? And so we are a a church, and I'll talk to you a little bit about some of the visions, especially some of the some of you new folks. This might be a repeat for some of you, but we are a church, and we have a vision that God has given us as a church where everyone is known and knows that they are known. See, one of the reasons why we have our sign-up sheets, if you guys will pass, take those and pass those down, uh, we want to get to know your name. Like, it's it's good for me to know Mikey's name, but if Mikey don't know that I don't know him, right? Is that right? If I don't know that I don't know Mikey, Mikey has no idea that I don't know him. If I go, oh, that's Mikey. But if I go, hey, Mikey, what's up, baby? He goes, what's up, player? Casey, how you doing, man? He knows my name. I know his name. We want to get to know you and get to, get to really reach out to you, help you find your place in the kingdom of God, wherever that is, at New City Church or wherever. That's just what we want to do. It's the heartbeat of who we are. We are also a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. See, Jonathan got baptized this morning. That ain't the end of the story. Jonathan's not a disciple until somebody goes alongside Jonathan. It's one of the great things I love about Kyle and Michaela is going alongside some of these cats and actually teaching them what it means to be a Christian. The scriptures actually say in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, step one, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do fascinating that most of the time when somebody gets dunked they are put into a bible study or they are put into a small group but they're never actually taught to obey jesus isn't that amazing man i have i've sat across from people that have been in ministry for 30 years and they go whoa that's radical 
Like, what, what, it's not supposed to be, right? That's supposed to be normal. But what we tend to do is a lot of spiritual activities and never lead people into actual obedience. Amen? But that's what we got to do. That's what God has called us to be the kind of church that we want, that he wants to be. We are a church where the community is better off because we are in it and the community knows it. We have actually a special event going on on April 9th called us Jump into Spring. After the second service, we're going to have cookout and bounce houses and all kinds of activities going on for the community. So invite, invite, invite. Get people here. Pray for good weather, all that kind of stuff. We got some great things going on. We also have a study. We do have studies going on. We want to make sure people are equipped with knowledge so that they can understand what it means to obey. One of the things that we're doing is uh, starting a study called the uh, the 10 most common objections to Christianity. That actually starts April 3rd. If you look on the back of your bulletin, have some details on that. Sign up for that. It's a very, very cool, wonderful thing. Finally, and this is where we're starting this We Greater Than Me, is that we are an extremely generous church. And you can be filling these out on your bulletin or on your app. When the, man, if you download that app, you get all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, but we are an extremely generous church church one of the things that we want to do is we want to step into and understand what whole life generosity is all about not just with our money not just with our time not just with our talents not just with the gifts that God has given us but with absolutely everything that we see all that stuff everything that we have that God has given us to be stewards over and gifted us with that we as when our feet hit the floor we're like how can we be a blessing to somebody today amen that's what it's all about. And so when we start talking about those kinds of things, we start learning what it means to be generous. By the way, we have an amazing opportunity this Friday night. If you will sign up on your uh, Connect card if you want to, this Friday night and Saturday morning, we have some people flying in that are going to show us what it means to be generous and help us understand in our hearts and our minds how we can live with whole life generosity. It's going to start at 7 o'clock on Friday evening. Dinner's provided going to get back up on Saturday morning. It's going to be in here. It's going to be wonderful. And there's not going to be a money ask. It's there's no charge or anything like that. I don't want anybody to go, oh man, they're going to they're going to ask me to commit to something. No, absolutely nothing like that. I want God to do his thing in you. I want God to push you to where he wants you to be. I don't want you to be coerced in anything when it comes to money and generosity. Amen. I mean that's how we work. It's just we we don't want to step into God's in God's way. We want God to do his thing. Why? Because God is generous. God is the most generous that you could ever, when you think of anything, how, how wonderful it is what God has done for us. I mean, I think about what Jesus did, that he steps out of heaven and comes into the, like, like into poverty. Like, you think about that. He's got all the riches, all the glory, all the accolades, all the, you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. And, and here's that over and over and over for all eternity. And voluntarily steps into this pile of whatever you want to say. With us. Right? With us. That's amazing to me. And it's not only, does he, he doesn't even expect or nor demand riches and wealth, which I would expect the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to do. He comes in and is poor, in fact, the most poor in the most, most poverty-stricken town of all, and yet does it for us, not because he has to, but because he is generous and loves us that much. John three sixteen, the most famous verse of all that everybody knows. we got people holding it up at signs at, at football games and that kind of thing. It says, for God so what? 
love the world that he gave. Gave. It's a gift, right? His one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Not because we deserve it. Not because we earn it. Not because we get baptized. But because God is generous. Because God loves that much, man. It still blows my mind. That is a very powerful, powerful passage. And yet it's so common, we tend to trivialize it a little bit. Because first, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But he gave him as a gift. And it's nothing we can do to earn it. The only thing we can do is accept it, that Jesus is not only our Savior, but our Lord, and become his disciple. And we will earn nothing but gain absolutely everything. And when Jesus steps into his first public sermon and then it kind of steps and establishes his authority on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew you know, 5, 6, 7, and 8, he starts, you got to start stepping into this, this whole thing. He starts, finds this level area on a mountaintop and starts talking to all kinds of people. And there were a lot of religious people that had been really uh, putting people in religious shackles for a long time and say, you got to do this and you got to do this and had developed like 10,000 rules and regulations on top of the commands of the scriptures and, and had laid heavy stuff on people. And Jesus comes and he starts dropping nuclear truth bombs on everybody. Oh man, he says things like you've heard it said that do not commit murder, but I say that if you have this anger in your heart towards your brother, you're guilty of that. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, if you have lust in your heart, then you're committing that sin. Man, he starts establishing his authority. And he says things like, when you pray in Matthew 6, 5. And in Matthew 6 also, he says, when you fast and when you give. It's not even a command. He's not even telling people, you got to fast, you got to pray, you got to give. He's saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. And when you do it, do it like this. But don't forget, this is not a command to give, to fast, or to pray. These are just understanding further the characteristics of what it means to be someone who walks with God. Wow. Paul, who was the most prolific writer of the New Testament, wrote some Man, just crazy radical stuff. Now, this was a, a killer of Christians, a persecutor of, of, of people that are like us, our brothers and sisters from a couple of thousand years ago. And he was confronted on the road to Damascus by Jesus saying, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He thought he was doing the right thing. He was going and throwing Christians and killing Christians, throwing Christians in prison and killing Christians. He thought he was doing the right thing. Jesus confronted him and said, why are you doing this to me? And he later became the most prolific writer of all the new testament and he wrote to churches and he wrote to people and he wrote to specifically here a pastor in first timothy first timothy 6 2 through 10 and he writes this to timothy a young pastor who he's taken under his wing and he said these are the things you are to teach and what does he say insist on dude it's like don't no you have to insist on these things if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. Guys, we've got churches full of people who are conceited and don't understand anything. And they're being applauded for it. Man, it's the wildest thing in the world. You'll understand what I'm talking about here in a second. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies 
and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness, listen to this, is a means to financial gain. Man, how many of us, especially some of you new visitors, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, how many of us are, are like so frustrated with the church that it's just a money grab, that it's always about money? It's always, every time the preacher preaches, he preaches about money. How many people are frustrated with that? Yeah. Well, um, I don't mean to frustrate you further, but I'm going to preach about money. But that's just, you just happen to hit the right one. Huh? But here's the deal, man. I get that. Paul gets that. And this is what he says, that there are people that do this, think that godliness is a means to financial gain. If I know Jesus, I'm going to get me some money. If I know Jesus, I'm going to get material wealth. And they'll use Scripture to try to justify. And this is what Paul is saying, is this is not about getting financial gain. In fact, Jesus, when he said on the Sermon on the Mount, he goes, why do you worry about your clothes? Why do you worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or what you're going to do? Doesn't, look at, the, look at the, the, the lilies of the field. Aren't they beautiful? Like God clothes them and, and the day they're gone and tomorrow thrown into the fire, are you not much more worth, worth much more than they are? Oh, it's so amazing. When we start thinking the way God thinks and we start aligning our thoughts and our, our hearts with God, man, it just blows, it will blow us away. The kind of peace and the kind of, the walk that we'll have is incredible. Well, we brought nothing into the world. Oh, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. How many people said, if I can't take it with me, I ain't going, right? But this is what he's saying. You can't have a U-Haul following a hearse. I mean, basically. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. We've got to get our minds right about this because I will tell you this. I did that. Trying to get rich, trying to get the the stuff, trying and using God's name and saying, oh, I want to do this to get rich for, for God's glory, that kind of thing. Man, and I lost and lost and lost. And I'm looking at this going, yep. That's what I did. Some of you know my testimony. If you want to hear it later, I'll give it to you. And here's what he says in verse 10. And a lot of people know this, but really don't understand it. He says, for the love of money. Not money itself. Money itself is a morally neutral tool, right? It can be used for good or bad. I mean, this is like uh, the accumulation of money isn't necessarily a bad thing. The motivation for doing so is whether is, is, it's a matter of the heart. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Let me take a sip here, man. I'm starting to get excited about this. <laughs> Come on, y'all. y'all. Y'all be praying for my voice, all right? Ah, some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. <coughs> and this is where he's talking, man. It is not a matter of 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 somebody coming to you saying you need to give because we need to pay our bills i will tell you this man new city church after two years this is this is an incredible story of god but after two years we are financially self-sufficient right here it's amazing absolutely amazing we pay our bills and we i mean god has given us just great favor in that area this is not something where i'm saying guys 
we need to be paying our water bill, okay? Come on. We got we to gotta take care of this and take care of that. We got issues and that. Gotta, you need to give. It's not about that. I promise you this. What it is about is I want you to step into what God wants for you. I want you to step into obedience and, and, and look at money and those kinds of things and giving the way God has said for us to be and the, the kind of people that he wants us to have. I don't want us to have a love of money. I want us to have a love of God because God loves, according to Paul who wrote to the tr- church in Corinth, God loves a cheerful giver, amen? So we're going to talk about money. Guys, if the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and I neglect to preach it, and I neglect to talk about it, and I neglect to challenge, I am irresponsible, I am sinful, and I am neglectful at best. And so we're going to talk about it. We're going to lean into something, and I'm going to give you some, some vision of why this is important for us here at this particular church see because you can be non-generous you've got a little graph in your bulletin there you can be non-generous and this isn't always necessarily a uh, a situation where you're just being stingy you may be a brand new believer have no idea what giving and money and what God says about those things means you can be uh, rebellious or you may simply be new to the to the faith some people may step into what's called equity building, and they're thinking, okay, how will this help me if I uh, give money to a church or to a ministry? And I'm not talking about give. trust me, I'm not talking about trying to give money to New City Church. I'm talking about God saying, give it to where your heart tells you, where he's telling you to give. So, you know, so, so some people are like, well, this is an equity building thing. It's a, an eternal investment, right? Some people will step into self, what's called self-appeasing. They well, I, I want to I give, but I feel guilty if I don't, so I'm going to give, or it's an emotional type of a thing. Some people want to give because they love doing good stuff. They love reaching communities. They love doing community stuff, so I'm going to give to those things. Some people will give in a safe way. I'll give what I can as long as it doesn't hurt my bottom line and as long as it doesn't strain me in any way. Some people will start giving a percentage. They'll start planning. They'll, they'll start growing into it. Okay, I'm going to start giving 2%, 5%. 10%, which is the, the tithe standard, if you will. Some people will start sacrificing. They're like, I'm going to give to God's work. I'm going to give to his kingdom, and I'm going to do this in a sacrificial way. It might even hurt a little bit. Ooh, I might have to make some lifestyle changes. And then finally, guys, if you're thinking the way God wants us to think, you're thinking about everything you have, every gift you have, every dollar you have, every car you drive, every stitch of clothing to be used for God's glory. Holistic, 24-7 giving. And I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to finish with what Jesus was so impressed with. And some of you know this story, but man, it it makes me absolutely proclaimed a little bit when I start thinking about this, this poor widow who gave not a lot. Nothing that they could do anything with in the temple. But Jesus had been talking about different major, major important teaching. And in Mark 12, starting in verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple, into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, the temple there had something called a trumpet that where you put coins into. They didn't have a lot of paper 
uh, money or anything like that. So he stuck, uh, you know, nobody wrote checks. So he put coins into this thing, and it made a lot of noise. So people would throw coins in, and and the people man, walk away, be like, wow, that person, you see how much money, see how much noise their money made, right? Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you. Now, this is amazing to me. She put in a couple of pennies, man, and and Jesus stops his teaching. He says, gather around, everybody. This is something heavy I got to tell you. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. Man, this poor widow had a kingdom view of giving. Totally trusting God. See, that's where we've got to be. We're paying bills, guys. But I'll tell you this. It's not just about paying bills. We're crowded in the first service. We're crowded in the second service. We had to put out more chairs today, which is a, an incredible, wonderful problem to have. But let's, let's be honest. This will not be sustainable. If God wants to bring more people in, we're going to have to do some things, and we're going to have to be all of us all in. And I want you to, to think about something. I want all you guys to look that way. What would it look like? And this is just one of the plans that we're having. We're meeting with some people on April 2nd. What would it look like if that wall was extended out 20 feet? And Pete and the Revolution were able to lead us from worship over there. And on the other side of this wall, you guys look over here. We were out 20 feet this way. We had an actual lobby that could accommodate us. And we got rid of some of these rooms and that kind of thing. We were trying to figure out with the baptistry, but we could actually have twice the number of people that we have here in a service going that way, having plenty of space in the lobby. You guys figured out that the lobby's a little too dadgum crowded. Like, how many people, what's that? People get mad at each other. Get out of my way, man. I'm trying to worship Jesus. God. Right? It's pretty funny, but. So I'll just stand out in the middle and go, yeah. This building was not a, built to accommodate this number of people. It's a wonderful problem to have, but if we don't get ahead of this, guys, this city is on the verge of exploding with population. You may not know that yet or understand that yet, but it is happening. We're crowded now, and there has been no residential development of any kind. This is amazing. And so what I'm saying is, when it comes to giving, that 
Yes, we will continue to plant more churches. Yes, we will continue to, we're not trying to be a mega church, but we are trying to accommodate the growth that is going to be coming here. So we can have plenty of lobby space. We can have plenty of worship space. We can have plenty of seating space. Yes, we're already going to have to go to a third service. We figured that out. We're still praying about when that's going to be. But we have got to get ahead of this. If we don't, God will use somebody else. And that, that's what keeps me up at night. Like, will we be the kind of church that when God sends his people, we will be able to accommodate them? So far, so very good. Amen? But there's more. There's more. So, Father, I just lift up our church to you. It is unbelievable what you have done. It blows the minds of a whole lot of people. See, this ain't supposed to happen in a town of 1,600 people where you bring 240, 250 people on a Sunday and there's been no development of any kind for as far as people coming to live here. This is ridiculous. But God, you've done this and you've shown us a glimpse of what this is all about. Man, God, may we send people out to the next church that need to be sent out. May we accommodate those who are about to start coming may we be the kind of church that when we pray your kingdom comes that we mean it and are willing to do something about it and put our money where our mouth is this is not a money grab god you know that this is you looking at us saying what y'all gonna do now can't do eight services on a sunday guys voice can't hardly handle two today (laughs) but God I just ask that you consume us completely with your Holy Spirit and lead us in how to spend and how to give and how to accommodate your kingdom here at our church it is in your son's awesome and amazing and beautiful name all God's people in the house said amen